This is the Dallas Prospect Live with DDP. Every legend was once a prospect. The Dallas Prospect is funded by viewers like you through Patreon and PayPal. To support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash the Dallas Prospect or become a member by clicking the join button. Now let the show begin. What's up, guys? This is Derek Kirby with the Dallas Prospect back for the first time, first time for this channel, at least, with a Mavericks playoff victory. Now, there's a few things we can now discern from this series. First and foremost, the Mavericks very well could have won game one had KP not been ejected in the start of the third quarter there. Had it not been for that controversy, the Mavericks, based on where they were hanging tight, really had a damn good chance, a damn good chance at stealing game one. And then he'd be sitting on a 2-0 series lead. That's incredible just to even consider. But you know what? You got to deal with the hand you're dealt. We have a 1-1 split. If the Mavericks were going to do anything in this series... We said they needed to take one of the first two. They got one of the first two, and they showed in the other one that they can play with them. Now, they were 0-5 against the Clippers this season coming into this game, but it didn't matter. The Clippers should have had a little bit of a wake-up call based on the first game, at least seen that the Mavericks could, even without one of their superstars, really give them troubles, and yet they didn't. They did not seem to get that adjustment because in the first half of this game, Luka Doncic was a man on a mission. Luka carved up the Clippers defense in the first half. It didn't matter who they put on him. He was just playing bully ball, getting to the rim. The only imperfection you can find was the fact that the dude couldn't knock down free throws for some weird reason. I think he was four of eight at the line at half. But he hit four threes in the first half as well. Had something like 22, 7, and 6 at half on like 7 of 12 shooting. He was a machine. And yet, even with that, the Mavericks found themselves in a close game. Now, reversing fortune of the first game, the Mavericks went from dropping the first 10 points in game one to the Clippers and then falling behind 18 to 2 to in this game taking a 15 to 2 lead complete polar opposite what I liked most not just the quick response offensively but going out there and immediately enforcing your will getting to the basket and avoiding turnovers they had one turnover in the first quarter after like eight in the first quarter of game one absolutely tremendous turnaround there that was a huge thing like as much as we talked about the kp ejection in game one the 21 turnovers were hugely problematic and the mavericks were much better in this game now that's not to say they played a perfect game by any means but they played a solid game here they had nine turnovers conversely 
We said throughout most of the season that they were one of the best teams at protecting the ball. A lot of that's Luka, but he had by himself 11 in game one. The Mavericks tonight as a team have just nine and just one after the first quarter. So that was huge. You saw the runs that the Mavericks made after that in game one, 18 to two start. That was pitiful. You saw them go on a 48 to 18 run over the rest of the first quarter and the first half of the second quarter. That should have been a wake up call to L.A. The Mavericks can cook offensively. They're not afraid of the moment. And for whatever reason, it did not seem to resonate with them. And so as a result of that, you end up in a situation where the Mavericks in the in the first half pretty much are able to get what they want. Now, what's keeping L.A. in the game in the first half is actually free throws. They are getting to the line like crazy. Kawhi Leonard actually had... It's weird to say a quiet game because you look at what he had. (laughs) Even at the half, Kawhi Leonard was sitting on 18 and 6. But through three quarters, he had something like 27 points. The thing was, he was shooting so many free throws. He had 10 free throw attempts in the first half. And the Clippers as a team kept getting to the line. At one point, you had a free throw discrepancy of 19 for the Clippers and just 4 for the Mavericks. Now, that did eventually start to even out. But for a while there, that's what was keeping L.A. in the game. And so it made it way more difficult for Dallas to pull away. And as a result, they only have like a four or five point lead at the half. And it's kind of ho-hum. Like despite the hot start in the first quarter, they only scored 29. Nothing crazy. They had 38 at the end of the first quarter in game one. And they responded better than to get to like 65 at the half, but it's it's a up and down pace here. What I love about this win, the Mavericks controlled wire to wire. They started the game with an 8-0 lead. They never trailed. They never trailed, and they never looked afraid of the Clippers' defense. I love that. 50% from the field, 44 of 88, 45% from three, 13 of 29, 70% at the line, that's actually a huge weakness there. Yes, they get 37 free throws, just two fewer than the Clippers ultimately, despite the very slow start there. But they go 26 of 37 at the line. That's what I'm saying. Dallas could have scored, could have blown this game wide open. They just couldn't knock down free throws with any kind of consistent rate. Luka missed several. Uh, Hardaway missed several. KP missed one or two. But the difference here is as sensational as Luca was in the first half, he barely even had to play in the second half. And that's why when I said earlier, Dallas should have, LA should have realized that Dallas could compete with them, even with just one superstar. You saw that in the first game with Luca. KP gone basically the entire second half, didn't matter. This is the flip. Luca barely plays in the second half because he picks up two rather dumb fouls. He picks up a, a fourth foul early, um, pretty early in the third quarter plays for about four minutes with it before the Mavericks are able to kind of seize control. Then he goes out of the game for a long stretch, like the last six minutes of the quarter. And from there you have the Mavericks bench take the game over. Now you'd already had guys making plays. Trey Burke, my dark horse X factor for this series was insane in this game off the bench. Trey Burke, 16 points, three rebounds, two assists, seven of 11 from the field. He only shot one three. This was not the bubble opening game against Houston where the man knocked down eight three pointers. This was driving into the teeth 
of the Clipper defense and just eating them alive. 18 minutes, 16 points off the bench. The man's got a bum ankle, and he's tearing them up. That is the guy, the secondary ball handler, the guy who can initiate the offense and really create for others. That is what you want. And as any called out when he was on the show a couple days ago, the dude can cook a little bit in the mid-range as well. So Trey Burke, fantastic addition here. He, I think, was a massive part of this Mavericks victory here. But you had other guys stepping up, too. I mentioned as Luka goes to the bench in the second half, the bench starts to figure it out. The bench starts to really enforce its will. I don't know what the final total bench points were, but it was comfortably over 40 points, 60%, north of 60% from the field for the bench. It was like 17 of 27 shooting at one point um, in the final few minutes of the game for the Mavericks bench. When the bench mob is back, Dallas is damn difficult to beat and part of when Luca went out in that third quarter as I I spotlighted the bench you know I I spotlighted Trey Burke Seth Curry had himself a 7-0 run by himself at one point cooking and crossing up Kawhi Leonard and dropping a mid-ranger in his grill like this this is what you mean when you say Dallas has weapons now is it a consistent thing that you can bet money on every single night no And I'm not trying to say that it is, but you got guys who can be streaky, who can be hot shooters get going for you. Curry in the game, 15 points, six of nine from the field, only one of three on threes in 26 minutes. Likewise, from Hardaway Jr. Now that's a starter. You get 17 out of him. Very nice performance there. Porzingis, meanwhile, he gives you 36 minutes. I actually expected a bigger game from him. But they didn't have to lean on him too much. He gives you 23 and 7 on 7 of 13 from the field. I like that. I really do. He played 36 minutes, but he gave you some tough defense. He's only credited with one block. I really thought there were at least three or four other times where he very much bothered a shot right at the rim and allowed Dallas to get a stop on defense. And as a result of that, it kind of changed things around. Now, I see uh, Misa commenting there on Boban as well. You cannot overlook Boban. In 10 minutes, the machine gives you 13 points, 9 rebounds on 6 of 8 shooting. At halftime, he's got Shaquille O'Neal calling him, uh, trying to give him a nickname, but it's a little too wordy. You can't really have a nickname of that variety, I don't think. It doesn't roll off the tongue well enough. But basically calling him, you rang. Like, oh, you need a bucket? You rang? All right, here you go. Boban, just tremendous impact in this game. And what I really like about this is he bothered the hell, pretty much negated Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell averages 18 points for the Clippers off the bench. He might win six man of the year. He was held to 10 and two, 10 and two. Boban manhandled him because Harrell's already a little bit of an undersized forward in this case an undersized big man and so yeah Boban's just gonna shoot for days over him with this 7-3 frame and freakish wingspan he can't guard him Boban easy getting rebounds on the defensive end getting easy dump offs but then even there jump hooks and he's getting little buckets little flick shots in the middle of the paint there getting set up by Luca and Trey Burke and others just fantastic there for them in the first half. Now he did most of his damage in the first half, but you still saw him making plays even in the second half here and there as well in very limited minutes. But 
I love the chess match there. We This is the kind of thing that we talk about with Carlisle, how he can see these different matchups and he can exploit them. Harrell is a guy who should make a big impact for the Clippers, and he just doesn't in this game. He's effectively negated. Meanwhile, the Clippers and playoff P pretty much as I smack my mic, pretty much give the Clippers nothing. Paul George, 14 points, 10 boards. Okay, but he was 4 of 17 from the field. He was pitching a goose egg deep, deep into the third quarter, maybe even the start of the fourth quarter. So at that point, it almost for the Clippers became more about, hey, can we get Paul George going? This dude was shooting 50% from three in the bubble play, in the seeding tournament play, and then it fell apart, and now... Here we are in a playoff game. He was pretty good in game one, I think 27 points, but he was not there this game. Two of 10 from three and just not not able to really have an impact on this game. Like I said, in the first half, Luka could pick apart whoever was guarding him. Trey Burke picked apart whoever was guarding him. The Mavericks and their ball movement really opened things up. The best part, I think, was seeing when Luka had to go out in that third quarter, it was about a four-point game. And the bench extended the lead, extended it pretty considerably, even like the Mavericks at times in this game led by as many as I want to say 17 points. But they extended the lead and opened it up where suddenly it's a uh, it's a new it's a new look. The Clippers, even with Kawhi out there, even with Paul George out there, even with Lou Williams out there, even with Montrez Harrell. Four guys who average at least 18 to 27 points per game. Not able to do anything. This is Hardaway. This is Burke. This is Dorian Finney-Smith. This is DeLon Wright. I mean, this is like a lineup just, and Maxi, I believe, just taking them down who, that, that's, and you got to be maddening for Clipper fans. You got to think that. Well, I say maddening for Clipper fans, but there's about four of them. There's Clipper Daryl, and that's, about it anyone else transferred over from the lakers when they're not playing or maybe some just followed Kawhi. i don't know regardless it's got to be maddening for the clippers to have all your guys in and be watching the mavericks bench who really doesn't get much appreciation throughout the season even like at times you had people calling the mavericks like national media calling the mavericks bench garbage now at times this year they kind of played that way i'm not going to sugarcoat it But when they stepped up at times, when they looked like a bench mob, they were lethal. And that ends up happening there. Now, I called out earlier the free throws being a concern for me, um, how the team, yeah, 70% of the line, but you missed a hell of a lot of free throws there. Double-digit free throw misses, I believe. Um, That could have hurt you had this been a tight game. It's like Luka can either be dialed in from three or he can be... Uh, you know, nails at the line. He can't have both. <laughs> if he ever did have both, he would drop 50 points probably. But Luca, in his limited minutes in the second half, because of foul trouble, the bench is able to find his rhythm. He comes in at the start of the fourth quarter and within like 23 seconds picks up a mind-numbingly dumb foul. Like, I understand what he's doing. Montrez Harrell's not a good free throw shooter. Put him at the line. And he does, I think, miss one of the two. But Luca, you picked up two stupid fouls in the in the second half. You were at, what, 22, 6, and 7 at the time, at half? You should have been well on your way to another 40-point. You should have gotten the first triple-double in Mavericks playoff history 
but it ends up not developing that way because of that, because you're barely needed in the game. And as a result of that, yes, Trevor Foster, Maxi played great defense. Um, not a lot of scoring for sure, but yes, a lot of hustle, a lot of great defense. He's got some tough defensive matchups there for sure. But in this situation here, uh, Luca misses a lot of that comes in with like four and a half minutes left. I think Rick would have preferred honestly to sit him the entire fourth quarter as well, but the Clippers just doing enough, making enough noise to hang around where finally Rick was kind of like, ah, okay, they cut it to 10. All right, get, get Luca back in there. Let's just make sure that we close this thing up. Not this series at a game of peace. And then we'll go from there. Um, let me see here. This was uh, from Saad Youssef. This was at halftime. He says on Twitter, through six quarters in this series, the Mavericks have led at the end of four of them. Shows you the Mavericks offensively are right there. Like I said, they go wire to wire in this game. So now through eight quarters, they've led at the end of six of them. That is pretty impressive there. At the half, Luca with 20, yeah, 22, 6, 7, and uh, one turnover. Fantastic work from him there. And, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, pretty sweet. Let's check out uh, some of these comments here. Big homie from the D, what go- what's good? Trouble 79, yes, sir. Trevor Foster, what's up? John Fink, Browns 41. I see Eastside in here trying to run his mouth, but you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Trey Burke, Victor. Absolutely. Trey Burke, my dude, coming up with big, big impact in this game. Let's see here. I'm trying to see through some of these trends. Now, we did talk about, I said earlier, the Mavericks were looking as a franchise for their first playoff triple-double. It doesn't end up happening, but you know what? Who cares about a triple-double? You care more about the win. Luka Doncic, this was again, I think roughly, this was, yeah, this was a uh, halftime. This is from Zach Crom on Twitter. Luka has 64 points on 33 field goal attempts in the playoffs thus far. That boy good. And what I love is the Mavericks scoring in the paint has been stellar in this series. And they're actually working the mid range more than I thought they might like. Their three-point attempts have not been astronomical in a game yet in this series. They've certainly they've met their standard quota, but they're not jacking up 40, 53s a game. They're getting a lot of stuff right to the basket, particularly Luca is attacking the basket like a madman, an absolute madman. Uh, Russell Westbrook in the regular season led the NBA in drives per game at like 20. In the first game, Luca had, I think, 36 or something crazy. Had he not barely played in the second half, only about 10 minutes in the second half, I think he would have beaten that pace because a lot of what he was doing in the first half was attacking relentlessly to the basket. And L.A. just didn't have an answer for it. Now, some of the other stuff as well uh, that I took note of that the Clippers weren't really crashing the boards here. They seem to be falling in love with a lot of the outside shots. Kawhi Leonard's a beast for sure. He got going and he got into angry Kawhi mode. But it wasn't going to be enough. I mean, like I said, Paul George gave him nothing. Montrezl Harrell gave him nothing. Lou Williams was sensational in the first half. You know, okay in the second half, nothing great. In fact, for a large stretch of the second half, Kawhi was great the whole way. But you got one of your four main guys going. You're going to be hard-pressed to keep up with a team 
that's clicking on not all cylinders, but certainly the majority of cylinders in the Mavericks there. And that's why they carried a 13 point lead into the fourth quarter. So, yeah, man, this is a what I like about this of my kind of wish list for the Mavericks in this series. I said uh, I wanted them to get one to two games at least. You certainly could see a scenario where they could have been two and zero, but you know what? There's been a lot of games. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep harping on that because there are so many games this year for the Mavericks where you look at it and you say, "Oh well, if we just do this here, or if we just make this one play, or if this call isn't made by the official here or there, uh, we have all these extra wins." You can't do that. You 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 get the cards you're dealt. You got to move on. So the Mavericks are one and one, but they've played damn tight through two games. Certainly look like they had the capability of winning both games and because it's a bubble and nothing matters not as far as any kind of home court advantage they just get to stay here they get to stay here and keep playing in this series and you know it's a it's a crazy playoffs already you had the number one seed lose in both conferences in the first game for the first time i think they said since 2003 the magic beat the bucks and then the lakers got beat uh by damian lillard and the blazers who God, they just keep cooking. I mean, crazier things have happened, right? Like the Clippers, who were actually firing on all cylinders offensively in the bubble, have kind of gone cold, have kind of looked a little out of place. You still see a lot of that hard-nosed defense, but the Mavericks are beating it consistently. Luka, in particular, as he's really navigating a lot of this um, a lot of the defense doesn't matter if they put Kawhi on them doesn't matter I mean I'm, I'm actually kind of in amazement even saying that whether they put Kawhi on them or Paul George on them or Marcus Morris Marcus Morris actually had a little bit of success against him in the third quarter there before uh, he came out but it didn't really matter who they were throwing at him he was eating them alive now yes you don't have Patrick Beverly in this game so they had to get a little bit more creative because, you know, they had to start Reggie Jackson, who, despite knocking down three straight threes in the first half, is still Reggie Jackson, which is to say not that great. He's an OK bench player. But when you got to put him in your starting lineup, you're not going to like it most of the time. So uh, there's a lot to talk about, lots to talk about with that. Um, but the Mavericks, I feel good about it. They ended the third quarter, as Saad points out. We've we've harped about this as well. Third quarters have been kryptonite for the Mavericks, and it actually had some kind of echoes of that for a while there before they righted the ship. Saad Youssef points out on Twitter, the Mavericks ended the third quarter on a 13 to two run with Luca on the bench that you can't look at it and say that that's by any means what decided the game, because we're talking about a 13 point lead going into the fourth quarter. But. I think it was demoralizing for the Clippers to an extent because Dallas through a lot of that fourth quarter, then kind they weren't toying with them, but they were pretty much doing anything they wanted offensively. And the Clippers were coming down, getting a lot of three point shots, a lot of one shot, empty possessions going the other way. And uh, until they made that final little push, Dallas looked like they were going to just absolutely run away with it again um, in this and that's pretty incredible that twice now Dallas was they won one lost the other but basically playing an entire half without one of their two stars and that 
you have that to show for it is pretty impressive. Now, there were a lot of fouls called in this game. I talked earlier about how many free throws the Clippers shot in the first half compared to the Mavericks. At one point, it was 19 to 4. In the end, the Clippers shoot uh, 39 free throws compared to 37 for the Mavericks. Clippers shoot a much better percentage as well. But even though the Clippers, I mean, there's really poor officiating. A lot of them cut both ways in this game. Like there were bad calls going either direction in a lot of this game, but there were definitely moments where you're like, oh, okay, so that's a foul. All right. Yeah, it makes sense. Lou Williams runs into Trey Burke, who literally has his hands clasped behind his back to avoid the call. And you're still going to call it. Okay. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things like that where I still think the league is kind of, or the officials at least are still kind of treating this as like the haves versus the have nots. And that led to a situation where um, led to a situation where the Clippers were able to hang around in a game that otherwise did not really feel like they should have even been in. It felt like Dallas should have run away with this. Another observation that I had on that was um, Dolan Wright. Oh, he had a very up and down erratic let's say performance in this game he came into the game and looked terrified looked like he was completely out of sorts out of control nearly turning the ball over left and right actually turning it over a couple of times but then he made some nice hustle plays some nice defensive plays i think rick in that situation it was during that run in the you know late third quarter early fourth quarter where luca was getting a lot of rest and i think rick is just kind of looking at it and saying like you know, we got everything, almost everything here cooking, and we want to get as much productivity as we can for our guys up and down this bench. Now, if you want to say the Mavericks had one acquisition from last offseason that just has not panned out and it could just be his fit on this team, it's DeLon Wright, the only real new acquisition that they made um, in the offseason, at least, in you know, they gave him, I think, like a three-year deal, like in a sign-in trade with the Grizzlies. Kind of got enamored with him getting two triple-doubles on the Mavericks in the span of three days at the end of the previous season. So, I don't know, man. Maybe they're trying to find something with him. He's got defensive versatility, and he's a good slasher. Pretty decent finisher around the rim, but he looked very out of sorts. And I think Rick was really trying to stick with him and ride it out. Hope that he could kind of settle his nerves a little bit and find a little bit of something there but overall up and down um this game i thought rick outcoached doc rivers now part of it you could say is just hey are the are the guys making shots in the mavericks case they largely were especially the bench in the second half for the clippers they weren't Kawhi leonard despite getting a lot of free throws nine of his points at the foul line he shoots 10 of 21 for the game but he actually did a much he actually shot much better in the second half a little cold starting for him in the first half of the game paul george missed like his first eight shots before he found anything lou williams was cooking but just not the kind of impact that la really needed like if you look at their their scoring up and down their roster it's pretty balanced for the most part you get 35 out of Kawhi, 35 and 10 for him 14 and 8 for marcus morris that's most you would really ask for out of him although he did have 19 in game one uh, 14 and 10 for George, 11 for Jackson. Uh, Zubats 
really not much of anything in this game. 18 minutes, three points, four boards. A weird game where for like the first time this year against L.A., he did not just destroy us inside. So that was good to see. 23 out of Lou Williams off the bench. Harold, like I said, gave 10. Just very, very, you know, a lot of scoring up and down the bench as far as what they got out of guys. The problem is Paul George. The problem is Harold and uh, Lou Williams, 23, but not a super efficient 23 at that. So I feel pretty good about this win, and you should feel good too. You should take a moment like me and celebrate with some of the good stuff. Excuse me. Shout out to Carlisle indeed, Trevor. DeLon, it was a shaky start. He settled in and he made some nice plays so that you kind of walk away with it um, feeling like he had a pretty decent game. But uh, offensively, very shaky in the start. Dorian Finney-Smith, I thought, kind of had an up-and-down game. He made some plays late. He even hit a big three there in the fourth quarter. But he gives you eight points, three of nine shooting. I felt like he was a little out of control tonight. He only has the one turnover, but there were times definitely where he looked like he was a little bit out of control and uh, trying to make things happen. I like when he moves with confidence, but you're then going to have games where the shots aren't falling, but he's still trying to move with confidence, and then you're a little bit less excited about it. 17 out of Tim Hardaway Jr., 5 of 13 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. Missed two free throws. I'm just kind of running through some of these missed free throws since there were so many. Uh, KP, 23 and 7, 7 of 13 from the field. Again, I love that. Three of four from three. I love that. Not too many threes and still damn productive. Six of eight at the line for him. Maxi in 33 minutes uh, has four points, 10 boards. 10 boards is great for Maxi. Really is. Maxi is not a, a high rebound guy. Um, 5.4, I think, was his average coming into the postseason. So for him to get the start and rebound that well tonight, I think is really good. And, you know, he played good defense. You can't really argue that. He had a block. KP had a block. Dorian Finney-Smith had a block. Trey Burke had a block. Uh, I already mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith, 8-4, and 8-4-3. Luka, 28-8-7 is his final stat line in 28 minutes. Curry, 15 off the bench. Burke, 16 off the bench. Boban, 13-9 and nine off the bench. That's what I like to see. And 10 minutes, Boban with a near double-double. Six of eight from the field for him. There's not a lot more that needs saying on this, honestly. The Mavericks, it felt like they dominated the boards, but it's actually damn near straight up 49-47. Offensive glass, L.A. gets one board advantage. Eight, uh, eight for the Mavericks, nine for L.A. Mavericks win the block war and... What I like is the turnovers being at nine, whereas the Clippers had, I think, 12 steals in the first game. They only got four in this game. So you're avoiding these kind of catastrophic turnovers that lead to fast breaks the other direction. Fouls are perfectly even at 29 apiece. Paul George got another technical for the same kind of pop off he had in game one. The same thing that KP got his first uh, technical on before the ejection later on. So, yeah. This is a satisfying, satisfying win for the Mavericks. I don't want to put too much stock into it because I don't want to come across as a homer or a hypocrite. 
I want to try and come across as fair and balanced as much as I can. So just like I said, game one, hey, don't worry about it, guys. It's only one game. We can't worry too much about it. You could conversely look at this and say, okay, well, hey, you won one game. The series is knotted up one apiece. I don't know why I'm doing this as thumbs up one apiece. But even then, I would still say if you look at the how of each game, you say, all right, well, in that first game, you didn't have KP for half of the, you know, for the second half and you fell apart late. You still were right there with them the whole second half they pulled away late which has so often been a story with this team but you had a lot of things just not quite getting over the hump for you here that seemed to happen we talked about how in that jazz game in the bubble one of the last games for the mavericks of the bubble they got um hardaway jr and curry going both of whom had been in shooting slumps in the bubble that's important Equally important here, and, per- and perhaps more important, was what happened in the second half with against one of the five best defenses statistically in the league this year. By the way, I think they're better than five. Uh, I think they're probably in the top three um, in terms of ability. They put up that performance. Just like the Bucks game gave them confidence offensively, the Mavericks, I think this game gives the bench confidence now that they can really take over. And more importantly, I think you are seeing some of these X factors that I called out beginning to cook. Now, my X factor video might not have had Trey Burke in it, but I did have Carlisle. I think he was a very big difference in both of these games, but especially this game. I thought he made great adjustments. Um, My dark horse, Trey Burke, uh, Hardaway Jr. has been going well. Maxi had a great game here, played great defense. You just see a lot of these guys, Curry, obviously, a lot of these guys making substantial plays. And, you know, it's one one truth in playoff basketball is that bench players, role players typically play better at home than they do away. It's the environment they feed off of the crowd. Well, guess what? It's a neutral court. There is no such thing as home court. Oh, yeah, you got a slightly higher percentage of the 300 digital fans in-house wearing your shirt instead of the other team's shirt. Who cares? They'll buffer on Skype anyway or Zoom, whatever. It it doesn't matter. Like, these are neutral courts. So role players, bench players, I think are going to matter even more in every game this series of not just this series, like this postseason and every series across the league. I think the role players are going to be a bigger part of things so that is that is where we stand with it if that's the case if the mavericks got the role players playing well and they've shown and by the way he's not a bad coach by any means but i don't think super highly of doc rivers that's just my opinion um i really think that rick carlisle is going to be a positive for the Mavericks there, like a net positive out coaching Doc Rivers. To me, it's going to come down to is, well, really Paul George, but the Clippers' main four guys, particularly Kawhi and Paul George, is the power of them and what they can do greater than what Luka and KP can do. But really, because Luka creates so much and is such uh, 
of just maestro creating for the entire team and making things happen. Can the two of them, or expand it to Lou Williams and Harold if you want, can they outdo everything else that everything the Mavericks can throw at them? If they play defense and if the officiating kind of stays a little bit wonky favoring L.A., I think, maybe. Maybe. But even though it sounds crazy to say this, when you're one and five against them now on the season to date to win a game and then say, you know, I I don't want to sound crazy. But I could see us maybe, possibly, potentially pulling an upset. It's possible. But you got to wait. These are long series, man. These are long series. And you're going to have to take counter punches. L.A. will make adjustments. They made some adjustments in this game, and I think the Mavericks were ready for it. Luca loves that drive and kick blind kick to the corners. LA looked like they worked to take that away, but Dallas seemingly prepared for that, you know, uh, move their shooters around in other places and were able to still get good looks. Luca one turnover on the game. Fantastic. Um, he, he was really bothered by the 11 he had in game one. He basically said, I don't care that I dropped 42. I played terrible. I had 11 turnovers. I've never had that many turnovers in a game. He's not James Harden after all. James Harden owns that record. But Dallas did some seriously good work with this. And as a result of that, they have the momentum. Even though it's a 1-1 series, I feel like they have largely outplayed the Clippers through two games. Now let's see what the Clippers can adjust with because this is a these series, especially in matchups like this. It's a seesaw, man. It's a seesaw. You can't you can't look at one game and say, well, the Mavericks have really controlled through two games. Mavericks in five. You can't flip to that extreme. I think if the Mavericks can pull this off minimum six games, um, probably seven games, because I think the Clippers, I still got to believe that with the scoring punch they have off the bench and you know, role players having to do for Dallas what they need to do for Dallas to be able to pull off such a Herculean upset. That's what it would take. I don't think that that's where the, I don't think that that's where they're positioned right now. But we'll see. This is valuable, valuable experience. But uh, let me run through some of the comments here real quick. This is going to be a shorter show than game one was. Obviously, I've been on running only about 40 minutes, give or take here. So I want to look through, tag on on some of these comments, and uh, then we will probably wrap the show here. I'm going to try to do a pregame if I can. Try to do a pregame if I can tomorrow um, to preview game three the next day. But we'll see. DJ, cheers. I don't drink alcohol. It's bad for everything. Well, you know, alcohol is the cause of and solution to all of our problems. Let's see. I did see Brunson Trevor on uh, the digital fan thing. He did not look very interested or entertained. Let's see here. Maxi, great uh, rebound guy there. He was in that game for sure. Acquiring Burke worked like a charm. Absolute genius. And the most interesting part is literally nobody except Rick saw it. 
Uh, yeah, that is that is true. Trey Burke wanted to come back to Dallas. The Clippers, or not the Clippers, uh, the Sixers amazingly cut him going into the playoffs. Now they're in an 0-2 hole against Boston and just got stomped today. So I don't know where they stand. They have a huge salary cap, and now they're in a situation where they either have to trade, probably if they want to really shake things up and actually improve the team in the big picture, have to probably either trade Simmons or Embiid. So that could be very interesting, but we'll see what kind of monumental shakeup happens there. By the way, I would trade Simmons before I traded Embiid. That's just my opinion. King Namo, Luca could have gotten another monster triple-double, but the refs, of course, were screwing him over again. I mean, look, he was well on his way, but both of his fouls in the second half were on him. They were bad fouls. One of them digging down low on a, a pass into the post, I think, to Zubats. Um, just gets his hand down there, and while it's, an, it's, a, it's a delayed, blown whistle, Luca absolutely initially gets him across the wrist, and then... Pins the ball, ball squirts free. The whistle then blows. Luca's disbelief is at, hey, you didn't call the initial one, and at the end it was totally clean. Yeah, but you fouled him. You did, you did, and that's not a smart foul to do there. Um, and then you know in the fourth quarter, in transition, he gets caught up, gets post pinned down low by Montrez Harrell, and just tries to slap at it. Tries the Dirk move, just try a slap strip as the guy turns up, squares to the basket. He hasn't mastered that move yet, and that's not his thing. Dirk could get away with those. That was Dirk's the Mavericks' all-time leading shot blocker, and a lot of his blocks are just that. They count as a block. So Luke is working on it, but I wouldn't have done that there because, yeah, you're sending a, a not great free throw shooter to the line. Great. But in that situation, it's a terrible foul to take 23 seconds into the fourth quarter. And had your bench not stepped up, you could have taken a game that you were firmly in control of, not in terms of score. The game was still close, but that you had largely controlled, like I said, had yet to trail. You could have undone all of that good where you now have to go to the bench for an extended period of time and things could have unraveled. So, yes, I I agree that he could have done more, but both those fouls are on him. And I think he would own up to that. Burke will be the X factor. Carlisle needs to make sure that Burke keeps his foot on the gas. Uh, give him consistent minutes. I think Burke has earned that. I do. I think Burke at this point has broken through and will absolutely get heavy. I mean, I, I don't think he'll be a, a starter for them consistently. I actually entertained the other day on the show with any, the notion of him getting starters minutes. I don't think he'll get that. I think Rick likes him as that spark plug off the bench, but yeah, he should absolutely get consistent minutes because he's been one of the best, most consistent role players for the Mavericks. And I'll go one further. Dallas should re-sign him because right now he's only signed through the rest of the playoffs. He signed basically the rest of the season, however long that lasts. And I think they should go a step further and give him because he's still young. He's the same draft class as Tim Hardaway Jr. You're talking what, like 27 to 29, somewhere in there? I would absolutely give Trey Burke another deal. It doesn't have to be a huge deal. You know, he's bounced around the league a lot, but he something works here. Something for him works. 
he was like a top five lottery pick and he's finally kind of finding something that looks like consistently he could have a big role for yes you'll have brunson coming back from the torn labrum i believe it is or was it a rotator cuff general ballpark area um coming back i think it's from the labrum and uh that's worth noting for sure but you also have i think berea retiring and so Rick Carlisle loves himself some two-guard lineups. If you look at recent years of Mavs basketball, he loved the ice climber, as they were nicknamed, combination of Berea and um, Berea and Devin Harris. Now I think he could look at something kind of along those lines with these Mavericks here, where you could have Luca, who's a point forward essentially, and Burke or Brunson or whatever. You can work with that, and I think that'd be an interesting look. Barry Grogan, what's up? So is KP's knee going to hold up or do we have to worry about his availability every game? Asks John Fink. It's worth noting the knee that had, uh, I think the word was irritation today. It's not the ACL knee. It's not that knee. It's the knee that he missed 10 games with earlier this season. Um, where he started to come back. I think it was after six games and then like literally in shoot around, he was like out of nowhere, a last, last moment scratch for that, uh, for that night. And like another four games, you know, it is what it is. You're always going to have to carefully kind of manage and maintain KP's minutes, but he gave you 36 here and he gave you 36 quality minutes. So I think you still saw aggressiveness at times with him diving down and attacking the basket. He had a flush dunk in the first quarter. That was really, really nice. And, uh, you know, it's postseason, man. You're probably going to have to maintain and manage it to some degree. But for what it is, I think you're going to you're going to get him. I never had a question that KP was going to play tonight. I, I shared the thing on the community post because it's like, well, you know, it is news. It could theoretically happen, but I, I don't see it. Not in this situation. Not after what happened with game one. He's going to play if he's not on crutches on the sideline. We protected the basketball and played good defense and attacked their defense. The defense in stretches was very good. Um, I actually believe that the defense was quite good in stretches. Now you give up 114 in the game. I will say the Clippers per hundred possessions are the second most efficient offense in the league this year. Um, so to give up 114 to them, not terrible. But then again, we talked earlier about how while they had nice scoring up and down the bench or up and down the, the roster, two of their four guys really did not make the impact that they needed. And that left them feeling short of firepower to the point where the Mavericks bench of Curry, Hardaway, Dodo, Maxi, you know, they were cooking them, cooking them. The Seth Curry crossover splash of a mid-range jumper in Kawhi Leonard's grill was just mwah, beautiful masterpiece. The X factor is their health. Yeah. Trey Burke might be the new JJ Brea, says Aram. You know, there is a there is a little bit of something to that, I think, but I actually like um I like what he can bring to the table more. He, you know, Brea could draw a charge off literally a broomstick, but I think Trey Burke actually brings a little bit more there as well. And so I'm not saying it's the same level of impact, but it's certainly, certainly worth mentioning 
that uh, he could have that type of role for sure with Dallas. What up, Barry? Uh, let's see. Can't believe Burke is a former lottery pick. Yes, he is, Rafa. Having Boban under the basket and Burke isoing is all the Mavs need to do. I still contend that you can't play Boban heavy, heavy minutes. I do think you can use him in damn efficient small doses. And man, with the Clippers, they don't have an answer for him. They really don't. And so, yeah, let him feast on Montrez Harrell and let KP do go to work. I said in game one that KP could have kind of like when the Lakers and Clippers play, how Anthony Davis can just eat against the um, against the Clippers because he's their unicorn essentially. Um, you know, he's. I, I think I would take AD over KP, but KP similarly can have that kind of impact against the Clippers. Now here. He didn't have to have that as much. 23 and 7 or 23 and 9, whatever it was, is very nice. But uh, he did not have to just absolutely take over. And I think that's good. I think it's good for someone who had any kind of discomfort in his knee, even though he played 36 minutes, to not have to carry that kind of offensive burden as far as scoring. No Justin Jackson again. That is true. How much do you think Pat Bev not playing helped us? Asks uh, Samir. Uh, A little bit because I think Reggie Jackson is not a great point guard, especially for a starter. But I will say this. Pat Beverly couldn't stop Luka to save his life in the first game. He can be an irritant, and he did make a couple big plays at the end of game one, but he can't stop Luka, like, at all. So... Luca would have kept doing work, I feel, even if they had had um, Beverly in the game. I don't know how much of a difference it makes. I got to think they're better suited if they have them. But at the same time, I don't think it changes the dynamic that much more because I think Luca feasts on him more where they probably actually had their most success from what I saw at a glance with Marcus Morris on Luca. And I think Luca, just based on how things went in the first quarter, game with Marcus Morris and that whole scuffle. I think Luca kind of put a chip on his shoulder in the third quarter and wanted to go at him, at him, at him. And he had two or three empty possessions, not empty as in like turnovers, but, uh, you know, tough shots that he just wasn't finishing as he was trying to take Morris to the basket. And that preceded him coming out of the game in the third quarter. So maybe that's an adjustment for LA to make is to try and, they can't find anyone yet who's been able to bully ball Luka, not even Kawhi, who's probably one of the best defenders in the league. But they will throw probably Morris at him a little bit more in doses. Paul George was garbage. How did we stop him, says Uzi. A lot of Paul George this game was just him not making shots, frankly. He got a lot of great looks. He got a lot of great looks in this game, and he just wasn't knocking him down. And I think he started out like 0 of 8 or something like that. I mean, it took him deep into the second half before he finally knocked one down. But honestly, like Paul George kind of created this. Uh, he, he had he's had great playoff moments for sure. In Indiana, he had one or two years where he got him to the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron's Miami Heat. And even looked like at one point he could have maybe almost broken through in Indy. And it just didn't happen. 
And then when he got to OKC, he started talking about Playoff P, which is a terrible nickname. And, uh, you know, he wasn't 100% in either playoff series they had, but they got bounced first by the rookie uh, Donovan Mitchell um, and the the Jazz that first year. And then the next year, granted, he had two bum shoulders that got surgery in the offseason. They then lose in five games to Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers as they march on to the Western Conference Finals that year. And everyone, of course, remembers Damian dropping like the 40-foot dime in his eye to end the series and send OKC home. So, yeah, something to be said about that. Paul George in the playoffs the last few years has not been that great. And even on a team built like this with the talent that it has where he doesn't even have to be the man – you know, he was good in game one, so I don't want to I don't want to act like he's not going to be any kind of playmaker or difference maker for him. But he's had a up and down um, stretch the past few years in the postseason, and that's worth monitoring. <laughs> Salute to Lou, our new subscriber. Uh, let me see here. Tell everybody. Oh, yeah, guys, uh, on Facebook, check out our Facebook group, The Prospect Army. Check that out uh, on the Dallas. It's You can find it through the Dallas Prospect um, Facebook page. But our group, our community on Facebook is The Prospect Army. Barry pretty much runs that for Prospect. Let's see. Cool, cool, cool. So I think... Now that I've been running uh, 50 plus minutes, I think we're going to wrap this show up, guys. Salute to Francis, our new subscriber, once again. Let me see. I want to see, actually, right before I wrap this up, how close are we to 4,000? We got to be, like, right getting close now. So we're 13 subscribers away from 4,000. That is pretty sweet. Um, Share the video, guys. Drop a like. Uh, leave a comment below. Let's try and grow this. Let's try and grow this channel. The Mavericks are good. The Mavericks are in the playoffs. I'm going to keep doing these shows, not just the playoffs. I run these shows regularly. I tagged probably 80% of the post-game shows throughout the regular season this past year. And uh, we... (laughs) Let me unsubscribe and subscribe again. Thank you. Salute to Martin. Uh, We have endured a lot of heartache for the for the Mavericks in recent years here. Now we've got an exciting team. So salute to Nathan, our new subscriber. So by all means, let's uh, let's grow this thing and let's build something we can all enjoy. But for now, that's going to do it for my time. Always remember, because I've already run through the rest of my tags here. Every legend was once a prospect. Salute. With you guys on a sub pop, I'm almost tempted to just hang around as I see this number keep inching upward. Let's see. Let's see. 
Damn, you guys are awesome. Now we're six away. Six, six subscribers away from 4,000. Can we get there? I will, by all means, down the rest of my drink if uh, if we get there. Daniel, what's good? Let's see. So, uh, let's see. Hit that like button. You guys, you guys are awesome. Take care, guys. Don't sleep at all. I need rest now. Yeah, get some rest, DJ. All right, all right. I'll wrap it up. I will wrap it up. Until next time, guys, remember every legend was once a prospect. Peace.